We all face tough times in life, but what makes us able to overcome those challenges and thrive in spite of them? It's all about resilience. Resilience is really drawing on internal and external resources that enable you to adapt to adversity. Hello, this is Jeff Sanders, and welcome back to another episode of the Live Happy Now podcast. Today, we're talking about a topic that's become increasingly important in today's world. Resilience, or our ability to bounce back from tough times, is crucial for flourishing and thriving. As director of the Resilience and Positive Psychology Training Program at the Psychology Center of the University of Pennsylvania, Karen Rybich specializes in what makes us able to recover from adversity. Join us as she talks with Live Happy Science editor Paula Phelps about how to create more resilience in our lives and how we can teach our children to become more resilient too. Karen, I'm excited to have you on our show today. This is an important topic for us and, and really timely, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to do it. Well, you know, I've, I've seen a lot more resilience lately, and I wondered why it is that, that you think there's an increased interest in and, and awareness of the topic of resilience. Um, when I first started doing this work a few decades ago, it was not a word or I think even a concept that was top of mind for most people. Um, I think in, in, in sort of as I've understood it, in some ways since um, 9-11, uh, the word resilience has become a word that more people sort of think about. So I think that's one sort of cultural um, phenomenon. And then also I think the research on resilience has grown in leaps and bounds. And so we now understand so much more about what it is and what it isn't and how to teach it. So I think that's contributed to people's um, desire to sort of learn more about it and to develop some of the skills that we know enable it. Well, and your, your research is part of that explosion. So what is it that made you interested in studying it even kind of ahead of the curve? Yeah. And so I didn't start out um, being interested in resilience. My colleagues and I were interested in preventing depression in, in youth. So we would go into schools and identify kids at risk for depression. And we developed a program that teachers could learn um, and be taught in the, in the classroom that would prevent depression and anxiety symptoms, which it did. Um, and as we, as a group of, you know, graduate students, as we were sitting around sort of just talking about like, well, what's di different about these kids? I mean, they are, they're less depressed once they learn some of the skills we were teaching, but what's different about them more fundamentally? One of us, I don't remember who, kind of just said, I don't know, they just, they just seem more resilient. And that was kind of the proverbial light bulb moment. And, and I think for, for our team, it was like, oh, it, that word resonated. It seemed to capture kind of phenomenologically what we saw, um, happening in the kids as they were learning some of the skills, but, but we didn't really as a team know all that much about what is resilience. And quite candidly, when we first started exploring it, my, um, my bias, which was proven to be wholly wrong, was that resilience was something that was pretty much hardwired. Um, you either had it or you didn't. And, it, and therefore was not probably worth our time investigating. And that's not true. You brought up a great point. Um, the word resilience, what really is it? it? We toss it around a lot, but what does it mean to be resilient? 
Yeah. So resilience is the, I mean, I, I like to think of it as a set of capacities um, that enable you to respond effectively to adversity. You know, in sort of in the common, common vernacular, we'll talk about bouncing back or overcoming. Um, and I think those words um, are fine, but, but, but resilience is really drawing on internal and external resources that enable you to adapt to adversity, to deal with um, problems and setbacks in a way that enables you to still um, meet sort of developmental milestones, to be effective in coping with those adversities. And I think what's really important about um, our understanding of resilience is that it is not, as I used to think, sort of a you have it or you don't have it kind of trait, but rather it's built upon other sort of very basic abilities like um, self-regulation, you know, the, the ability to regulate your emotions, the ability to regulate your thinking. Um, it's built upon capacities like optimism, which is, you know, the ability to um, see the good in the world and to, and to focus your energy on what you, can, what you can control and change. And so the reason to me that that's so important is that as we've understood what some of the factors are that contribute to resilience, we can then also ask the question, well, which of these factors can we nudge or develop in people or help people to develop in themselves? And, and then that leads to a lot of the work that I and many others do, which is sort of developing skills-based programs that can enhance these capacities, which enhance resilience. So do we have a certain amount of resilience that we're each born with to begin with? And, and is that at certain levels? So we have to start from different places maybe in developing it or, or how does that work? Cause I know so many of our strengths, we are, we, we do have them in varying capacities and we have yeah. to cer- nurture certain ones. So is resilience like that? So the good news story about resilience is that most of us, most of the time handle all sorts of adversity and hardship and, and challenges resiliently. Like this is not an uncommon trait. It's sort of, you know, many, many researchers would argue that resilience is sort of the natural response. Um, And there are, to your point, some individual differences so that some of us come into the world perhaps a bit more hardy um, from a resilience perspective than others. But, but that doesn't mean that it's hardwired in the sense that it's unchangeable, that one of the things I think is, is interesting about this work is if we can sort of um, unpack resilience to some of these basic capacities, then we can help people to say, well, which of these basic capacities so I named already um, self-regulation and optimism? Um, we also know strong relationships are critical in resilience. We know that um, uh, mental agility, as I call it, sort of the ability to, to kind of get out of old habits of thinking and look at things um, in broad ways, that all of these things contribute to resilience. And so maybe I'm naturally very strong in one of those domains, but not as strong in another. Well, I can now take the time and effort to develop some of the areas that perhaps I'm less strong in. I can also be even more deliberate about sort of deploying or leveraging 
these capacities that I'm already strong in. So uh, a quick example, I am not naturally an optimist. Um, I am naturally a pessimist. I came into this world a little more grumpy, a little more negative, a little more expecting the bad. Um, so I'd have to work diligently um, and daily at, at developing and marshalling what other people, what optimistic people kind of naturally do. So I have to really be mindful of asking myself, what's good here? In fact, I have like on my social media, like a hashtag, there's goodness everywhere. And that's a reminder to me that that's terrific. if I yeah. want to, yeah, I mean, it's a reminder that I can, I can develop the ability to see the world through the lens of optimism. And so, so it's, Knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are, we can work on developing our weaknesses, but we can also leverage our strengths. And that gives us all a lot more, I think, power in terms of our resilience. Foundations of Positive Psychology is a five-course online specialization developed by the father of positive psychology, Dr. Martin E.P. Seligman, and his colleagues at the University of Pennsylvania. Available on Coursera.org, this program helps you master the strategies that enable individuals and organizations to thrive. No matter where you are in your personal and professional journey, you can find greater meaning in all that you do. The applied nature of the specialization allows you to enhance aspects of your well-being based on the skills acquired in each course, including grit, resilience, and human flourishing. When completed, you earn an official certificate that demonstrates your achievement. Foundations of Positive Psychology is taught by Dr. Martin E. P. Seligman, Dr. James O. Powelski, Dr. Angela Duckworth, Dr. Claire Robertson-Kraft, and Dr. Karen Rivich, who are pioneering researchers at the Penn Positive Psychology Center. Enroll at Coursera.org slash specializations slash positive psychology or search Foundations of Positive Psychology on Coursera.org. Someone like yourself is in an incredible advantage because you're in the field and you understand how to find your strengths and, and how to nurture them. So if someone's listening to this, like we don't always know. We don't know what our strengths are. So we don't even know where to start and what strengths to go to to create more resilience in our lives. So if that's our starting point, where do we, how do we do that? Yeah, so I think there are, I mean, that's a fair question. I think there are um, some basic sort of questions all of us can ask ourselves. I mean, one is related to optimism, right? So, you know, I think through reflection, you know, so if I were to ask you, you know, do you tend to see the world through, from the perspective of, of you know, things are basically good, um, I, am, I am equipped to sort of contribute to, to making the world a better place, or do you tend to see the world through the perspective of, you know, there's, there's ugliness and badness around every corner, you know, um, I, I'm, I don't have, you know, things are not going to work out well for me, that my guess is you could probably fairly easily locate yourself somewhere on that continuum continuum of optimism mm -hmm. and pessimism. Would you be able to, I mean, is that fair or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like yourself, I'm not naturally a cheery person. I've had to work to see like, okay, everyone is not out to get you. The world is not going to, you know, undermine your efforts to have a good day. And, and, uh, so, 
yeah, I'm, I've had to change that vision of how things happen in my world and to look for yeah. the good in life. And then, and then once you sort of reflect on that, there's skills that you and I and the many others um, out there that at times fall into traps of pessimism that we can use to marshal optimism. So I, when I hear myself starting to catastrophize, you know, let's say my internal dialogue right now, my self-talk was like, this isn't going well. I don't, I'm not making any sense. They're going to, you know, people aren't going to listen to this. I'm humiliating my, you know, on and on and on that runaway train of pessimism. I can learn to spot that train, like see that train coming and then stop it by challenging those pessimistic thoughts. I can say, that's not true. Um, I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. I've done lots of interviews. I'm giving some specific examples that will resonate with people. So you and I can learn to spot the pessimism and then tackle it or challenge it. Um, through the voice of optimism. And that sort of, I think of a lot of the stuff, quite honestly, as muscles. And that sort of develops our muscle of optimism. I think initially it's a little bit like whack-a-mole, you know, like a pessimistic thought. <laughs> Where'd it go? Props up and I have to, <laughs> yeah, right. I have to whack it back down. But, you know, over time, that, that like, whatever generates those very dire catastrophic thoughts starts to erode because I'm continuing to practice listening to it and challenging it. So I have many more fewer, much fewer negative thoughts today at 50 than I did when I was 20 because I've, you know, developed this muscle of optimism. So anyway, to get back to your original question, I think people can reflect on like, do I tend to think more optimistically or pessimistically? Because that contributes to resilience. Another question is, you know, what's the state of my relationships? I mean, relationships are a critical component of resilience. If I have people that I can reach out to when I'm struggling, it's going to be much easier for me to continue to struggle and endure the hardship and to overcome it than if I have a paucity of, of strong relationships. And so we can reflect on, well, what are What's the nature of my relationships? And if the answer is, gosh, you know, they're, they're starting to atrophy. I haven't been investing enough time in them because I'm so focused on my work or whatever, then that's another action step you could take. I'm, you know, we can all sort of reprioritize putting more effort into keeping our relationships robust. If someone wanted to create, say, a resilience practice, say they realize that I am really low in in bouncing back and I'm not optimistic and I'm not investing in my relationships and they do want to create kind of a, a practice, kind of like we do with gratitude or with compassion, how do they start mapping that out so that they can make it more intentional every day? Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned gratitude because that's what I was about to say. That the other, another um, way to enhance our resilience is to make sure that we have, you know, a, a healthy diet of positive emotion. You know, some of the research, this is, this is research done by Barb Fredrickson and others, but some of that research is showing that positive emotions not only feel good, but they also help sort of bolster us and enable us to be hardier in the, in the face of stress and adversity. And so one of the sort of simple strategies that I always recommend people do to sort of build resilience is to build positive emotions. 
Um, it's fun. Yeah, nobody you know, who, who doesn't want positive emotion. And it, and it right, some of the best homework you our, can do, right? Yeah. And so, so having a gratitude practice is, is a way to, is a way that we can build our resilience, whether that be to, you know, write down three good things that happen each day or to take a walk and just to, as you're walking, be mindful of what you're seeing in your path that you're grateful for the beauty around you. Um, so that's a, that's a gratitude practice, but it's also a resilience practice. Um, Another, you know, resilient strategy is one that we're sort of already talked about today is, is like building the muscle of optimism. So we can make it a habit to ask ourselves the question, what went well today? Um, because oh, when we're that. asking and answering the question, what went well, we're challenging beliefs that of pessimism, that, you know, things never work out right that the world, you know, nothing but danger and horror. And so that's a practice. I do a lot of work with organizations and I suggest that when we start our staff meetings, rather than to just jump right into the number one agenda item, to take three minutes um, and to ask people in the meeting to just to share, okay, what's something that went well since the last time we met? And so you're, be, you're sort of building into our, practices, whether they're personal or professional, the skills that enable or the capacities that enable resilience or strengthen resilience. That's incredible because I think, especially right now, we tend to think there's not a lot going well. And we, we yeah. turn on the news at the end of the day or when we're getting ready, we turn on the television and watch the morning program and it's breaking news and it's, it's not good. It's never, breaking news is never, everybody gets ice cream today. I mean, you know, it's, it's like we are getting bombarded and, and it seems that people are more and more affected by this. Well, I think, I think one of the important parts of resilience and optimism is that it's not pretending so, so being resilient isn't pretending or being optimistic is not pretending that there's not struggle in the world and that there aren't horrors. I mean, we just had, you know, that school shooting um, in Florida. I mean, it, so it's not pretending that there's, there's not bad stuff, but, but it is focusing our energy on what we can control on, on taking purposeful action on um, empowering ourselves and others to contribute. And so, so when I watch the news, like everybody, you know, it's sad and upsetting to see some of, some of the things that are going on in our world. But I mean, I think this is a Mr. Rogers quote. Um, I think Mr. Rogers taught us to look for the helpers. Part of the skill of this is not to deny our, the human emotions of sadness and anxiety and worry, but to allow ourselves to feel that and then also to enable ourselves to see the good that is also present in a lot of these difficult experiences. Yeah, as you, as you practice that, does it get easier to find that balance? Because that's not a natural uh, go-to place for most of us to, to be watching the news and seeing like, well, here's the upside. So does that become right. easier as, as you do that intentionally? Yeah, and I think that the word you just used is the critical word in this is intentional. That that it is easy, particularly when we're run down and getting a little sleep deprived, and maybe we've been traveling a lot, and we're just sort of not firing on all cylinders. 
it's easy to sort of buy into or sort of uh, kind of see things through the lens of the negative, like a negativity bias. And so I think the key word that you use was intentional, that there's, there's no magic bullet in any of the stuff that we're talking about today. It is about practice and intentionality and skill building. Um, and when you make it your intention to notice the good, to look for the helpers, to take purposeful action, to ask yourself the question, what went well, that that, that does become easier because in, in some ways, both probably figuratively, but also probably literally, you're retraining your brain, you're repatterning how you are predisposed to think. And so again, just through my own experience, but also through our research, it's much more difficult for me to get up a big head of steam around catastrophic thinking these days because I've practiced these skills and my brain doesn't just doesn't as easily and as naturally default to danger, despair. You know, Karen, you have so much to teach us. And in a couple minutes, Jeff is going to come on and tell our listeners how they can uh, get some more information about what you're doing and, and learn more about your books. But I really appreciate your time today. And if there's one thing that you want people to take away from this today, what is a, what is a one lasting nugget that they can plant in their heads and carry around today for, for better resilience? Uh, that it's a, it's a muscle that can be strengthened through practice. And so I would just say, pick one thing that we've talked about today that resonated with you and figure out how to make that a daily practice for yourself. And that is going to be strengthening your muscle of resilience. If you'd like to learn more about resilience and Karen's book, The Resilience Factor, visit us at livehappynow.com. That's all the time we have today. So until next time, this is Jeff Sanders wishing you a great day and hoping that every day you live happy.